You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. All right, Ruthie, thank you so much for being here on Spark TV. It's an honor to have you. Thank you, Daniel. I'm super excited to be here and I look forward to an interesting conversation today. Oh, so good. Well, how about we start things off by sharing your story? So you are the founder of 91 Ninjas. um, And so I'd love for you to share not only what 91 Ninjas actually does, but how you got there. So have you always been in business? Did you have a career beforehand? Let's just share your story. Yeah, uh, interesting question indeed, right? So um, we keep talking about business so much that, you know, uh, very few times we reflect back on the journey on how we started, right? So mm-hmm. uh, nice. Um, so I'm a marketer. I've always been a marketer, right? So uh, it's been a decade that I've been working in digital marketing space and I had wow. a career across startups majorly. So I've worked across startups of all stages, right? Seed, Series A, Series B to growth to unicorns at all. Um, it was just uh, at the time of COVID when I thought, you know, I've always wanted to start my own agency Mm -hmm. and I thought it's just time to take that leap and uh, do it now otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it again (laughs) right Um, and started off as consulting few brands across uh, Singapore UK and India and when I saw that there was some need I was getting some response Uh, there was a problem people are looking for solutions so I said okay uh, I can have that flexibility can enjoy uh, what I'm working on and make some money as well. So it makes sense to start up. Wow, that's awesome. And so those early days in business, so you started, you know, with just a couple of clients, you know, you said Singapore, uh, India, and the UK. How did you go about getting those first clients? It was majorly network, right? So I'd worked, as I said, right? So over a decade, I worked with many people. And uh, then I moved to Singapore and when I was in Singapore, the option was either to go for a job or to, you know, do something of my own. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, let's give it a try. If it doesn't work out for, say, five, six months, then I'll probably start looking out for opportunities. And luckily, uh, one of my mentors was in UK and that's how I, he he just asked me, you know, Riddhi, what are you up to nowadays? I said, you know what, I want to start my consulting and I got my first gig uh, there. Um, and then it slowly started picking up. Then via friends of friends when they got to know it they said oh you're available we have some problem can you solve these for us and mm-hmm. uh, that's how it picked up and as uh, then I started seeing that it was not just one project one strategy uh, there was a deeper problem so people would ask oh, can you set up the team for us can you um, maybe you know do the end-to-end execution do you have do you know somebody do we have some freelancers and I said you know the value is actually in solving the problem and doing for your clients uh, not just consulting 
and that's where the model changed from consulting to an agency and have been lucky that I got uh, people and teams and a business. Wow, that is awesome. I absolutely love that idea of, you know, starting a business and kind of going, okay, these are the things I'm good at, get a few clients, but then you actually listened to the problems that they had and built a business around solving that. That's really cool. Yeah, very intuitive also, right? So uh, for example, right, I've been on the other side as well. So I've never run or I've never worked in an agency before. So it was uh, a completely different world. But Mm. I had dealt with agencies all across, right? Uh, And I knew what exactly are the business problems that you face when you're managing an agency and what are the pain points uh, on the other side. I think that helped. Um, Also, having worked in both B2B and B2C, B2C, there are plenty of agencies, very good work being done. Mm. Um, And then people usually prefer having teams inside. So figuring that niche out, Mm. Uh, one and a half year now, I think I'm very, very, we are, we are very, very clear in terms of our positioning, who we want to go to, who is our ICP, uh, what exact problem are we solving, but everything happens intuitively, as I said, it's not decided from day one, you just figure that out along the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're so right, actually. It's really interesting with my um, other business, Scrunch. We're an influencer marketing platform, um, an agency, and we always get people asking about B2B. There's so many solutions for B2C, but I think people really, yeah, are kind of looking for different solutions for B2B. Yes, the approaches are different, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And again, interestingly, so when I started out, I thought maybe, you know, this is just the problem that I'm facing in my company when I was a B2B marketer on the other side. Then I started consulting. I said, oh, there are more people who are, you know, solving the same problem. Then I thought it was just from one geography, then people Mm -hmm. across geographies. Then I realized, you know, the problems are the same across geographies. Uh, There is a dearth of B2B uh, marketing talent. There uh, are not enough good marketing agencies there who can uh, bring in that expertise, bring in that fast execution, especially for startups, right? So if you're a Mm -hmm. settled company, etc., you can afford, uh, you know, consultants, you can have big teams, you can attract the best of talents. Uh, But not when you're starting up, when you're at Series A, Series B, you probably need more people to help you along your journey. Yeah. And I love that too, like specialized help. So, you know, I think sometimes when people are starting their businesses, they think they have to just hire full-time staff, but actually outsourcing to, you know, like an agency like yourself that actually solves a very specific problem, I find can be a lot more cost-effective. Yes. Um, And surprisingly, people are preferring that, right? So I see a lot of change in so we started off in COVID, right? So we are a COVID startup and then recession hit. Uh, and all through that, we have seen that serious businesses are very, very open to not increase their headcount. Instead, mm-hmm. have a partner who can help them solve specific problems at specific stages of the journey, right? They're very open. Uh, they believe that you have the expertise. Okay, you know what you're doing. You you can get the execution done and nobody wants to, you know, manage the team. Yes. <laughs> uh, in-house. So if somebody else can do it for them, they're more than happy to uh, let you take the load off them. Yeah, I love that. Um, and so what about B2B? I'm just interested, what kind of sort of differences have you seen that people struggle with when marketing B2B businesses? Yeah. Uh, okay. So there are two things I'll start off with, right? So what is B2C is a very impulse kind of buy, right? You see a shoe and you feel like buying it, right? Yeah. Uh, you find a good cloth and you want to buy it. 
uh, it's very instant, right? Mm. Uh, B2B is not like that. Here, nobody buys a software just by seeing an ad, right? Yes, true. <laughs> very true. <laughs> right. So software selling uh, is very, very different from consumer product selling, right? Mm. Um, and the same approaches don't work. Uh, and the, the cycle is longer. So it's more iterative, number of experiments, multiple channels, longer cycle. And it mm. doesn't work on just one aspect of marketing so you have to invest in multiple channels right so you will have your performance marketing you'll have some brand marketing going on you'll have some mm-hmm. social media you'll have some pr you'll mix all this you'll have an abm approach and then you will target your accounts because um and you're fine investing that kind of money because even your customer lifetime value is also more right mm-hmm. uh, while if you look at b2c it's like instant mass mm-hmm. uh purchase that happens right you can have a lot of flexibility in very creative ways of communicating what you are what you're selling uh influencers right and you would know you would know that right uh mm-hmm. on how much you can do so we have influencers and in conversations on this side also uh, but uh traditionally b2b is known to be boring so how do you make it more creative <laughs> yes new age. yeah so uh, and there are ways like if you look at new age SaaS businesses they're killing it what mm-hmm. narrative, uh, what approach? It's not like how it used to be 10 years down the line. Uh, so that means it's uh, different. So I would say experimentation, more scientific approach, mm-hmm. uh, and you have to be more cautious in your marketing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on. I love that idea of um, having to test and optimize, right? Because there are so many different marketing channels. And yeah, you're right with B2B. You really kind of have to understand where your customer is hanging out online, what kind of information they're reading, what channels, yeah. what platforms. And it's a bit of an experiment at the start. Yeah, I mean, see, if you're selling a shoe, there are nine ways of selling a shoe, right? You can talk yeah. about the color, your benefits and all. When you're selling a product, uh, the same product can have different use cases for different people. Yes. Right? And then their problem statements might vary. So which DG, what problem, what benefit are you communicating and how you are communicating? I mean, the channels vary based on the geography that you are in, right? Uh, like they've seen TikTok doing fairly well. Uh, in the US and Southeast Asia. While if you look mm-hmm. at India, LinkedIn is a good channel. Google search yeah. anyways is universally good, right? Um, so you have to think of a lot of iteration to hit uh, the point, right? To get the point across to your teaching. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's such good advice for B2B businesses. So how um, how was the process actually starting the business? So did you run up against any challenges or has it just been smooth sailing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not smooth. Uh, there, there have been lots of challenges on the way, uh, but I think that's a part of the process, right? When you start startup, it's uh, you don't know what's about to come, right? We never mm-hmm. imagined that COVID would would be like this, right? Uh, or we never imagined that recession would come. Uh, we never imagined that you know many, many, many things will happen on the way, and these are just few. So, challenges are there. But I think that's uh, that's like any other 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 role as well. If you're in job, also you'll have different challenges every every day, right? Sure, uh, but you can solve, sure. right? So when you start off, you realize, okay. So the first thing that you want in the company is, okay, I I'm a person. I'm not responsible for anyone, and you know, uh, these are my skill set. I can go out to people. People within network will give you enough for you to make good money and have a good life. 
then you realize, you know what, this is not something that I want to do. Just this throughout my life, uh, maybe have some more people, then you get some more people, then hiring is the first challenge, right? If you want mm. to scale up. Yeah. Uh, so getting right people, then training them in the right methodologies, uh, ensuring that they are culture fit. Uh, and they have the same, not same, but at least, you know, they, they feel about, they feel the same way about mastery. Mm, yes, yeah. Right. Uh, so finding them, ensuring they're happy, managing remote teams without any in-person interaction was another challenge, right? Then you overcome that. You just, obviously you try and then luck also plays its part in getting uh, to the right kind of folks uh, in your network. Once that happens, then uh, sales becomes a cha challenge, right? Mm -hmm. So then you figure out, okay. Then you're trying uh, to feed the machine all the time. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then, you know, you know, you're responsible for people on your team. You just can't say, okay, it's okay. I can take it light because those people uh, are your responsibility. And yes. that's when you start, you know, building a machine, a sales machine. Then you realize I can't do it all. So you have to quickly delegate and take on better responsibilities. Um like even in sales, first you approach your network, then the network is exhausted, then you then the next question is, you know, how do I scale next? What mm -hmm. channels, right? Which mm -hmm. geography? Uh, like we started off with some of the brands, as I said, three brands across three via network, right? Uh, then level two cold sales was very difficult. I don't come from a sales background, right? I've never done sales. Uh, but I realized that as a founder, you have to be good at sales, right? Yeah. If you can't sell, your team cannot. Yeah, um, that's so true. That's so true. I, I love that you raised that point because I feel like a lot of founders don't want to be the salesperson. They want to hire a salesperson straight away. But unless you figure out sort of a baseline understanding of what you're really good, what the business is really good at, what channels, how to convert a customer, you can't just hand over nothing to a new salesperson. You've got to get it yourself first. Yes, yes you have to. Uh, I I can't think of unless you are, you know, you have built a technology product that's just loved by masses like WhatsApp, mm. right? Which is more on the PLG motion. Um, if it's not like that, then founder has to sell, right? Unless you speak to customer, unless you talk to them, understand what is it that they want, customize your offerings. Um, growing business might be difficult. Somebody else cannot do it for you. You have to do it yourself and exactly. then teach somebody else to do it for you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I find I love the journey that you just described. So, you know, the figuring out what you're good at, finding then a team that will help you actually implement that, then having to scale sales. Like yeah. it's, you know, it's funny in business. I feel like a lot of people think, you know, when I, when I make more money, everything will be fine and I can relax. So it's like just the yeah. bigger you grow, the more problems you have to solve. <laughs> Yes, right. So even uh, yeah, absolutely right. Even I used to think in my initial days, you know what, I'll have a team, I'll train them and then I'm done. You know what, 10 clients are enough, 15 clients are enough and then we are done. But it just doesn't stop, right? Then you realize the business has to keep running. Yes. You have to have clients, you have to have teams, you have to like, you scale clients and then you scale your team and then you ensure that your unit economics are just right, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, uh, you're not making rash decisions, you have enough cash reserves, you have enough for everything lots right then you realize you know what about partnerships should I now explore partnerships with more people it just never ends right so uh, today <laughs> if I look at what is it that I'm doing so earlier there was a time when I would be executing campaigns myself initially doing things from today I mean most of my time goes into stakeholder management sales mm -hmm. uh, you know and uh, yeah uh, and the team is doing the rest so I think it's uh, all to the team 
I'm doing a fabulous job. So I'm able to do something else. <laughs> but you still have to manage the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, uh, that was, uh, I've been lucky because initial, the core team that we put together, right, are uh, very good culture fit. So oh. it's, and we are completely remote. So nobody manages nobody. Uh, the ask yeah. is simple. You know, this is the work. There's absolute clarity on what is expected mm. out of each person. Uh, the culture is like that, that you have to deliver on your work and nothing else is asked. And then you have freedom. Nobody is sitting on your head to see whether you're working or not working. Yeah. Uh, but it's more like uh, you feel responsible for your work. And I think I've been uh, lucky that way that the entire team is a team of owners. Uh, that short. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but, yeah. exactly. But that's a look. I mean, I know you're being humble <laughs> by saying that, but it does. I think it's really, yes, luck does play a part. And it's amazing when you do find people that um, really do take ownership of their work and are accountable and responsible. Um, but, you know, that that is still leadership from the top as well. You know, your leadership style yeah. obviously helps empower people to be that way as well. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. right. I agree. Yeah. It's no, uh, it's like both ways depends on the founder also. It depends on the team also. So, um, yeah, it's well, it's getting that right mix. I think, you know, I think as a founder, we grow and learn new leadership skills yeah. and different ways of working. And then yeah. we have team and we get lucky with some and unlucky with others and we kind of grow and, and kind of figuring it out as we go. Yeah. It's again like that, you know, you keep Figuring that out, you make some changes, then you grow, then you make some changes. It's like constantly learning and unlearning and growing. Yeah, no, I love that. Would you give, if you, you know, since we're reflecting on the journey today, would you give your um, younger self, you know, when you were first starting out in business, any advice? Uh, yeah, many actually, right? Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> Here's the playbook. <laughs> I think there's no uh, one size fits all, but I mm -hmm. think a few things. First is the support system. You need a very good support mm -hmm. system. And I think it's not, yeah, entrepreneurship has its own challenges, right? You, you, uh, there's more than, there is stress from other things, right? It happens yeah. because you're learning a lot. Also, your risk are high and so are rewards as well. Uh, in general, also in life, having a support system is must, must, right? And as a support system, yeah. it could be your family, your friends, uh, people uh, who are always there for you. Yeah. Um, then second thing is when I started off, you know, every small thing would just... Uh, uh, make me, uh, you know, maybe a little anxious that we need to get this done right now. Right? Mm. Uh, how will this happen? So initially, just trust that things will happen. Everything has happened, right? Mm. So now that that's one advice that I'll give to younger folks that when you're starting up, things will happen and that's absolutely normal. Things will fall into place. You just work one thing at a time mm. and you will see that everything else will be falling in place. I really love that because it's so easy to get um, stressed out and overwhelmed by all of the things that you have to do, especially as a founder, when we're wearing all of the different hats and, you yeah. know, when we're first starting out and we don't have employees, you're doing the selling and then you're doing the implementing and that can be quite stressful. Um, but I feel like, you know, that advice of just one step at a time, like trust the process, everything will all happen as it happens is yeah. really important. And also, uh, one other thing is that irrespective of what you know, what you don't know, always think first principles. You'll get your answers right. Uh, basic, things are not that complex in life, right? They're pretty simple. All you yes. need to do is just ask basic questions and yeah. have simple framework on how I take decisions and 
uh, you would be fine. That is so good. You're so right. I feel like we overcomplicate things as yes. humans. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, um, and look at anything that we do uh, in a day, uh, right from personal, other things. Uh, we just think too much. Mm. <laughs> we just optimize too much. Yes. I mean, it's even, you know, those things that we we put off and we put off and we stress about them and we stress about them and we finally do them and they take like two minutes. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I've just spent two weeks procrastinating and stressing out about that and I could have just done it in two minutes. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Oh, that's so good. So what's next for you? So as the company grows, yeah. what's kind of the next thing that you're looking forward to in the future? Yeah. Um, Good question, actually. So right now, see, at different stages, as I said, we had different goals, right? Mm. So team and scaling and then ensuring delivery also. So yes. um, how do you, the business that we are in is more of a long-term business, right? You have to maintain a track record. You have to ensure that people are happy with what you're doing and this reference will take you a long way. And I think we've been, uh, that that was the, I would say the hardest thing to do, uh, managing quality at scale. Uh, right, we've been able yeah. to do it. Uh, now we are unlocking different geographies. So as I said, right, we've started selling aggressively on other geographies and uh, scaling up team as well. So these are the two uh, focus areas. I think we are, we've done the groundwork. We have our processes. We have right kind of people. Mm. Uh, we have very good people like function heads within each function who can who are very, very good at their job, right? Uh, yeah. There's a second layer uh, below those people. Uh, we have good client base to cover us for our, you know, financials, uh, we're economically sound. So next step for us is to scale on both fronts uh, to get more clients from across the globe because we are just curious to understand how marketing works, right? Yes. Uh, reaching out to them, seeing can we create an impact there and mm. simultaneously build on uh, the team. Wow. Scaling up no, the team. Yeah, that is awesome. So will your strategy change? So as you scale and you're looking to bring on new clients from different geographies, does your marketing or your own sales and marketing strategy change? Or how do you think you'll go about acquiring those new customers? Uh, yeah, we have we have certain plans, you know. Initially, as I said, it was more of network, right? Mm. Uh, then it was uh, via cold sales. So we would pitch in where other people were pitching in. Uh, now we are more aggressive, right? So we just reach out. We are doing cold sales. And now uh, earlier it was just me. Now I have people on my team who have learned, right? Cool. Uh, so they are good. So today, if I want to step out of sales, I can do that. Nice. Um, and I think that's uh, that's uh, that's a big step, uh, it last, is. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So that is, I think, if we, you have to have the right people, right? And as yeah. I said, so one good decision that uh, I took in initial days was to hire, like, invest in people, right? Good people. Yeah. Um, and not optimize for cost or anything because it is important. That sets the base of the base of where you are and the work yeah. that you are doing. Uh, so that way is now there are two more smart folks at least two minimum, right? Who know how to do it. Um, I'm there. And then there's a complete delivery engine is placed that can deliver. So sometimes even I say, you guys will be able to deliver. And my team says, Ready, we will, don't worry. <laughs> this is nothing, right? <laughs> so that was uh, okay, good. Um, so acquisition strategy is more aggressive, reaching out uh, and uh, seeing if we will need services. If they need, then we are uh, all, all happy to have them on board. Awesome. And I love that too, because 
you know, um, so a part of our Spark course is all about cold outreach. And I'm, so I'm a salesperson by trade. So I always tell people how amazing sales is. Um, But I love that, you know, you're actively, you know, and saying, you know, no, we're aggressively reaching out to people and, you know, cold pitching. And I think that that's so cool because I feel like a lot of founders are really um, scared about approaching people about their products, but you absolutely have to get yourself out there. Yes, you have to, right? And also, it's not uh, as a business, right? So I remember so a lot of change has come in the way even I used to think, right? Mm-hmm. I used to think, okay, you know what? We'll get five clients and then we'll deliver. Then we'll take a pause and then we'll get five more and then we'll deliver, right? Yes. Typical non-salesperson mentality. Yeah. And then it just occurred, you know, you cannot... You can never stop survival. selling. <laughs> actually uh, right you don't say yeah. no to business but now we are at a place where we understand you know it's a constant cycles and yes uh you have to do it uh, lucky for us that we realize that sales is core to the business and has to be given the priority it deserves uh you yeah. cannot have a business when nobody is out there buying it oh my gosh I love that so much it's so true it's um I know I say people hate it but I'm like you have to dedicate time to sales every day so even if you're the founder who's wearing all of the hats if you're not just chipping away at small parts every day you get to the end of the month and then you're stressed out because you haven't got any leads or you haven't got any proposals out so it's something that you need to chip away at every day yes and momentum is necessary for companies to grow Yes. Uh, yeah. The moment growth stops, all other kind of things will start happening. So yes. it's better to grow then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that is such amazing advice. Um, so then maybe to wrap up my last question, um, just thinking about um, being a fabulous woman in business, any advice for, so, you know, business is hard and we've all gone through some crazy times over the last few years. So do you have any advice for someone who might be you know, in their business for a couple of years and maybe wondering why the heck they started it in the first place and struggling a little bit, um, any kind of words of wisdom to help out? Yes, people who are already running the business, right? Mm. Yeah, um, I would tell them uh, business is difficult. Yes, you'll go through these times, but it's okay. Um, just do what is in your control and you will see yeah. the results uh, coming in, right? Second, don't think about failures, right? So focus on what you can control, do those actions and always be ready for failures. It's okay. You tried, nobody else did. Yeah. Right. You try, you're brave enough to go and try out something. Unless you try out something, how will you know uh, whether things will work out or not? So there's no shame in being uh, in failing or anything. Third, do what you think is right rather than the world of wisdom in terms of, you know, you should do this and that. Oh, Everything is that. fine. Yeah. Mm. Job is fine. Startup is fine. Not doing anything is also fine. As long as you are happy uh, yeah. with it. Wow. I love that so much. I've recently, um, I've started to kind of dive into, you know, a little bit more um, business because it lights you up rather than just growing a unicorn and being miserable, you know, like actually really thinking about the life you want to live and designing your business around that. So I absolutely love that you said that, you know, what actually makes you happy. That's awesome. Because there's no right or wrong way to do anything or live your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what matters to you, as long as you are happy, things will be fine. Even if you're earning, if you even if you have found a unicorn, if you don't find happiness in it, right? Yes. Uh, wouldn't matter. 
That is so good. Well, you are absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today and sharing your journey in business um, and your insights with the Spark community. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. I absolutely love this conversation. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, good to be connected. Absolutely. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.